Last time on Licensed to Parent. We all have kids and, you know, we've told them to clean their room up and come got up there and they haven't cleaned their room. So we have a Heavenly Father. He's given us His gospel. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us everything pretending to life and godliness and expects us to grow up and and uh, go into all the world and with the Great Commission. And so we look at our room now and it's a crazy mess. And we expect our father to walk in and say, ah, you messed your room up. You know, I got it. Just, just get holy. I'll clean it up for you. Maybe, maybe, but I'm thinking, no, no, it's, we've created a mess and it's our job to pick it up. That's Eric Holmberg. And last week we introduced a new documentary that he's putting together and one that we think is so important for this day and age. It's called Divine Reset, America 2.0. And today, part two of that conversation. This is Licensed to Parent. And welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered treatment program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Eric Holmberg is the founder and president of Real to Real Ministries. He's also with the Apologetics Group, an ordained minister, an author, and a speaker. And as I just referenced, a video documentarian. Uh, Eric, it's always a pleasure to have you with us on License to Parent, but uh, I need you to uh, perhaps carry the ball a bit a bit farther. Last week, when we were talking, we we left it with, why is America in the shape it's in, and how much to blame is the church. And I think we also said, and how much to blame is the boomer generation, our own generation, and uh, and we as parents. And uh, jump back in now with that. We talked about roles that parents might take in uh, perhaps affecting change in their own communities. Well, it's it's a challenge, Rich, for sure, um, because there's so many fronts upon which to fight. But uh, one of the things that this is going to make some people uncomfortable, but we have to start really considering is that it might be time for some of us to relocate, uh, to move to a place where you have a better shot at it than you are where you're presently living. Folks, we have to realize this This is kind of like what Jesus prophesied what was going to happen to Jerusalem, uh, that not one stone would be left on another. And then Titus and his armies surrounded Jerusalem, and then they stepped back, and all the Christians that were in Jerusalem said, you know— this city's coming down. Jesus said this was going to happen. Matthew 24, let's get the heck out of Dodge. And they did. And then they survived. So uh, we need to start thinking along those type of lines. You know, the, 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 the way our Constitution was designed, the way this nation was set up, is that all politics was local. All yeah. politics was local. Well, can I interject something real yeah, quick? absolutely. It's we, your we, show. Back in the 1800s, 1700s, when someone referred to the United States, they would say the United States are this or that or the other. Today, it's the United States is this or that or the other. So it, it, it had a, a, a local uh, flair to it, if you will. It, it was just more of a collective than a singular. Exactly. We were a collection of states that were united. Well, Lee went with Virginia because his state went with the South. I mean, he was he was being picked for uh, as a northern general, but he right across the river, he decides, well, i, I got to be allegiant to my state. And... Um, Cost us six hundred thousand lives to get that sorted out, but uh, I hope it doesn't cost us that in the future. Do you see it that way? 
well, I see that we have to get back to the United States of America right now. Most people default thought is it's the United State of America, and that's mm-hmm. that's one of the main things that's gone wrong. Divided so we, states. We, and the thing is, we have the we have the, our, our founding fathers gave us the tools to still do this. So, for example, uh, just recently, Lubbock, Texas, the largest city in Texas, that has now become a sanctuary city, not for immigrants, but for the preborn. There will be no murder in the city of Lubbock, Texas. And Planned Parenthood was planning on bringing in a clinic, and now they're probably not or whatever. That's something that we can do at the city level. Uh, the sheriff should be have more impact on your life locally than the president of the United States. We've got to start disconnecting from this federal behemoth. Uh, and, and again, we've got to do it together. If any one state or group of people do it, they're going to get hammered. So we are going to stand together as, as, uh, as, uh, Ben Franklin said, or we're going to, uh, we're going to hang together or we're going to hang separately. Mm-hmm. So that's something that uh, very practical. Uh, we need to relocate to areas where, where, uh, people are, are like-minded and start organizing. Same thing with churches. Uh, one of the problems we have today is that probably roughly, Certainly in the majority, I'm thinking a significant majority of most churches, the pastors are compromised uh, in the sense that they're just they're just not going to preach the full-throated gospel of God. They're not going to bl- preach the cross. They're, they're worried not gonna, about their career. They're worried about their career. They're worried about t- typically. It's always this way. I just interviewed a, a scholar that just moved from California to, of all places, Mississippi. Um, he got canceled. He was teaching at a very, very popular teacher at a Catholic uh, high school and um, wrote an article. And I think it was first thing or some major periodical that uh, basically talked about Black Lives Matter as being a Marxist occult organization, which it is. It totally factually is. Well, a couple rich. It's always the rich people. It's always the people that are the biggest givers at the church or the oh, biggest sure. givers at the high school that tend to be compromised by their wealth. If you got more money than you have mission. You're out of whack, and so many people are more into their money than they are into the mission of taking the world for Jesus. So this, these, these uh, wealthy uh, donors to the, sat down and said, "Look, we don't like you know. You got to get rid of this guy." So he was canceled. He was fired. He said, "Well, good, good riddance," and he moved to Mississippi. So if you're in a church that's like that, if you're in a church where they're afraid to stand up and preach the truth about the family, about whatever. Uh, you need to find a new church. You need to not be supporting cowards. Yep. So that's another big issue. Get out of the church you're at right now, even if you're going to stay where you're located. And because your kids are listening, folks, your kids are watching yeah. and listening. But that—that's the mindset we have to get into. That we are now in. This is the the, the counter. The revolution has has won. Now we are counter revolutionaries, right. and we are mean, lean fighting machines, and we're going to do whatever is necessary to win this battle. We're rebelling against the rebellion, and I think one of the problems that is being uh, conveyed from the pulpit is that God is love. And of course, we redefine that term too, love. God is love, and he's, he's, got, he's patient, he's uh, all this stuff, and, he, and all that is true when properly defined. God's got a long fuse, but at the end of that fuse is this big honking bomb that's going to go off, and, and, and people don't think that can happen. And as you mentioned earlier in, in the last program, we're in the, we're in the judgment. We're, this is the judgment. You know, this I think is fascinating. I, I tend to be a more of a right brain uh, storytelling type type wired that way, and I just love stories and synchronicities in scripture and life as well. And everybody should commit to memory Psalm two. 
Psalm 110, I would recommend as well. Oh, I got Psalm, two more Psalm, when you're not. Psalm 2. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, so the kings of the earth take you know, counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, and they just basically war against God. And then, then, then the Bible says, and God laughs. The scariest thing in the world is when God starts laughing. Oh, boy. And you look at our culture right now. There are things that if they weren't so pathetically sad, you would be laughable. Yeah. You know, the whole notion, for example, I I just met a guy who was a a decathlete at LSU uh, years ago, a very successful athlete. And he had not done anything on track in forever. But he was at a track place, and he thought, "Man, I'm going to, you know, one of the events is the, is the high jump." So he set the bar at six foot one. He's 42 years old. Doesn't you know? He's good shape, but he yeah. doesn't hasn't jumped it. He took he stepped back six steps and cleared the bar at six foot one, which makes him in the top one percent of female high jumpers in the world. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do a full run and no training at all. <laughs> and and yet we're 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 talking about you know, men tending yeah. to be women yeah. competing it's, against women. That, that's that's so unbelievably crazy yeah. that we should look at that and go, oh my goodness, we've come to a point now. This is God laughing at us. Well, the most effective this lies is, are the most absurd. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's all kinds of examples of that stuff going on. We should be scratching our heads going, what? How yeah. do we get here? Yeah, and that's the type of shaking we need to do in our right. culture right now. Wake up, church! Yeah. We, you're, you, we are in the last moments of the dissolution of this country, and if we don't get radical, we are going to lose our families. Some of us are going to, you know, it's. I, I was in New Orleans uh, doing some interviews, and I, I and it went down and talked to some street people that were living under the under overpass, and one couple they they claimed to be Christians had really beautified their little area. They had really mm-hmm. plants and everything else. It was kind of a neat little camp they had. And I talked to them for a while and gave them, you know, bought them a meal. And then I was walking back towards where I was staying. And, I, and just a hundred yards away, there was just a bunch of wealthy people out there in downtown New Orleans, you know, I'm drinking their martinis and their whatevers. And it just hit me, you know, that these people don't realize how close we are as a culture, yeah. where half of them could be living like those people on That's the street. True. They just had a tree fall in their house. And uh, and they couldn't, you know. So, the, mm. but we we are all, uh, many of us are are so close to that kind of catastrophe. Yeah. That, but we don't think it can happen. But yeah. you know, it's happened over and over and over again throughout history. So, yeah. wake up, America. Yeah. Well, I've got to ask about this though. You're you were suggesting just a few minutes ago that we need to consider packing up and moving, going to a place where we there are more like minded people. But is it not also fair to say that by doing that, we're abandoning the people who need us most? So if we're to keep it local, which I completely agree with, might our time be better invested in trying to invest ourselves locally in the schools, in the public arena and whatnot to try to turn some folks around? Great question, Rich. And I, I hear you, and I struggle with that as well. I think some people are called to to stay. Right. I but agree. again, the analogy of Jerusalem, seventy A.D. Uh, well, I don't want to leave. You know, these people are about to get hammered by by Titus and the Roman armies, and there's going to be all kinds of suffering. So I'm going to stick around and just go down with the ship. Well, that's a noble thing, and uh, uh, and maybe some people did that. But there does come a point where you have to say, uh, "That's not my call." That's not my call. Yeah, so we, have a, we have a much better chance of surviving as a nation if we, if, if most of us do relocate 
to areas like that become strong. And here's what I think is going to happen. Um, as the federal government begins to default, which it's going to do, I mean, it's it's going to happen the days that we keep thinking the can can keep kicking kick down. the. But it's gonna, at some point, everything's going to start defaulting. They're not going to be able to pay people's Social Security. They're not going to be able to pay for people's health care. And suddenly people are having to scramble and stuff. But the states, the areas, it might even be a region of a state, some counties and stuff that have that have passed sanctuary city laws that, that are that are treating people's constitutional rights properly and letting people be free to start businesses and everything else, they begin to prosper, then people will, will want to relocate to those places. Now there's things that those areas have to do to protect themselves from from which is a whole other conversation. What can we do to protect ourselves from Californians coming in here and bringing in their crazy values and stuff? But as that begins to happen, we will see a reorientation of thinking nationally. And as, as Thomas Jefferson said, the states are the laboratories of democracy. So ultimately, the most merciful thing we can do is allow them to kind of collapse Right. To, to, to reap what they've sown so that it becomes an object lesson and, okay, this doesn't work, this does, let's let's rethink all Yeah, and here's stuff. the thing, Rich. you got to reach them. And sometimes you may have to reach them from a distance. And what I mean by that is that if we did go to other locations, and whether it be states or, or cities or counties, and from a distance these people see that these states, counties, towns are flourishing – because mm-hmm. people are doing things according to God's ecosystem, basically, right? Then that might be the best way of reaching these people because I think, you know, every action is a reaction. And they may have to collapse on themselves to realize sure. that, you know what, that, that stupid Christian had a point before he left. And, and, and maybe <laughs> I didn't have to, to go through this. If I just listened, but I want to I want to quote a couple of scriptures here because at the beginning of the last program, I, I I opened up by talking about Vince Lombardi and the ridiculousness of telling his football players, you know, showing them football and saying this is a football, gentlemen. This is, but this is how fundamental we have to be. If we don't even know what a boy or a girl is, or male or female, then I think we need to get to that obscenely ridiculous point of, of foundations. And Psalm eleven, uh, verse three says. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, we've been talking about what the righteous do. Get out of town. You know, go somewhere else and start something where someone can see from a distance that this is how it's to be done. Now, follow my lead. And then Psalm 11, 8. This describes America to a T. The wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. And we have honored the vile in our music, in our entertainment. In our daily lives, we've honored that. And, uh, of course, the big verse here, Psalm 14, 1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Well, we become a nation of fools uh, because hmm. we're, we're basically saying there is no God. We are the final arbiters of truth as individuals. Well, you know, the logical outworking of 7 billion people on the planet being their own arbiters of truth is chaos, and that's exactly what we got. But we could go back to love your neighbor as yourself and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What's the logical outworking of 7 billion people thinking that way? Well, it's peace, love, harmony. It's heaven on earth. We don't want a God looking over our shoulder. and And that's tragic because we need a God looking over our shoulder. Right. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Eric Holmberg, founder and director of Real to Real Ministries and the Apologetics Group and producer of a documentary that we're talking about today called The Divine Reset, America 2.0. This, by the way, is uh, 
the second week of our conversation with Eric. And if you missed last week's program, remember that you can find that on our website at licensedtoparent.org. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more right after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall to be completed by the end of the year, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. Welcome back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy with our host, Trace Embry, and our special guest today, Eric Holmberg, the founder and director of Real to Real Ministries and the Apologetics Group and producer of a documentary that we've been talking about both last week and this week called The Divine Reset, America 2.0. And Eric, there have... uh, There have been a lot of changes over the past uh, decade or so in America, including um, a new movement about, I I don't even know exactly how to describe it, but we refer to uh, this new generation as being woke, having this new enlightenment, this new understanding perhaps. And to my way of looking at things, the woke culture is actually creating perhaps more division in our country than it is uh, making progress. How do we address that? And especially how do we as parents address this with our kids? Well, good question. A hard question to answer in a soundbite. Uh, I think we step back and look at the broader picture. We need to understand, you know, the, the, the days of Genesis, however you want to view those days, the, the big, I think the bigger picture that we're supposed to draw from them is that God as a, as a, as a playwright is, is designing the stage upon which the story of redemptive history is about to unfold. And he designs the stage in such a way as to reinforce uh, the the actual drama. And so he creates a world that initially is formless and void, dark, kind of ominous type of thing. But then he begins to bring order to disorder. 
he bifurcates, he separates land from sea and, and, and waters above, waters beneath, life from non-life, and finally soulish animals in the sixth day creates man and then breaks man in half and creates these two complementary parts. So it's all about moving from disorder to order. The satanic sea, the seed of the serpent, the, the trajectory of the, of the children of darkness is always to reverse that. It's to move from order to disorder. And that's what the woke culture is, essentially. At a bottom line, it's, it's, it's destroying all hierarchies, destroying all the, the bifurcations that are the binary aspects that, that is essential to life, male-female one being the most essential. Mm-hmm. And so they are absolutely committed, and this is, this is satanic in its, in its foundations, is that they're they're committed to destroying that, that that those binaries and making everything kind of the same? And of course, in the process of doing that, they create a whole new binary, which is us versus them, those Christians. So uh, the bifurcation, the, the destruction of hierarchies, which is what they're one hundred percent about. It's interesting that Jordan Peterson, whatever you want to make of him, he's he's blown up essentially because that's what he talks about is the necessity of hierarchy. It's built into the world. There's a hierarchy within the Trinity, but the socialists. Marxist mindset says there can be no hierarchy, but the irony of it is, of course, is what they do create is a new hierarchy, the proletariat, and then them, the great reset people, the Klaus Schwab's of the world that sit behind the scenes, the Bill Gates, and manipulate all the parts because they're the enlightened ones. They're the the new oligarchy that's going to be a blessing to the world. But because their foundations are ultimately satanic, the utopia they're going to create is is ultimately always going to be a dystopia. It happens every single time. So woke culture is essentially Marxist. It's essentially demonic. And we need to recognize it as such and inoculate our kids against it by just preaching the truth. God is a God of order. Well, what you were just saying is so important, talking about the truth aspect of this. We were talking uh, before the program that, you know, people ask the question, can you ever have too much information? And the answer is maybe, because not all information is truth. You can't have too much truth, but you can't have too much information. And I guess it's, it's worth pointing out that while we may say that Bill Gates, for example, that his foundation is satanic, I don't think Bill Gates has any idea that that's the case. I think most people that we may come up against in the woke culture, they don't know that it's satanic. They just, you know, it seems right to them. And how many times have we heard, you know, God saying there, you know, when things seem right in your own eyes, that doesn't mean they're right in mine. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's important because you, I say satanic and I mean it. It is satanic. But oh, no, absolutely. It's not satanic I agree in with the, that. It's, yeah, I know you do. But it's not satanic in the sense that Bill Gates has necessarily got to alter to bail and is right. getting a little. It's, it's satanic. You know, Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan uh, in California, is a guy that features in my video Hell's Bells 1 and Hell's Bells 2. Uh, basically, uh, he, he said that uh, the, the most one of the most satanic songs uh, ever written was uh, "My Way" that Frank Sinatra made famous. Right. Nothing, no mention of Satan there, of course, but basically it's all about it. I did it my way. I, I created my own sense of what's right, what's wrong, how I want to live my life. Uh, you know, and that's that at at its heartbeat. We all had metaphysically, spiritually, every one of us has uh, is either the seed of the serpent or the seed of the woman. There's only two people in the world federally: the first Adam and the second Adam. And the and the heartbeat of the first Adam is put your finger on your pulse, and, and it's basically my way, uh, my will be done, my will be done. And then the converse is thy will be done, thy will be done. Everything breaks down to those, that basic binary. 
And we're all different places on the scale. None of us is perfectly doing things God's way, but at least the, the Christian's orientation is towards doing things God's way. And, and uh, so, yeah, the, the problem we have right now is that it's my way people, uh, well-intentioned, many of them, although I question sometimes their motivations at, at heart, but, uh, but because they're self-referential, because they're doing things based on their own understanding, because they're materialists, humanists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, ultimately at bottom, what they're doing is satanic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do parents get this into their kids? How do they get them to sit still long enough to, to share with them the bigger picture, condense it down into a conversation that really needs to be an ongoing conversation? Well, first off, they got to get it in their own heart. I mean, they've got to get, you can't give somebody something you don't have yourself. So number one, it starts with you. Now, there's so much good material out there. There's so many good books, some great movies. You know, I I love storytelling. I think this new Chosen series is freakishly good. I just sat there watching it going, I can't believe Christians did this. You know, so, so there's all kinds of good things out there. But understanding the importance of marriage, I think, is absolutely foundational to Christianity. And properly define that, too. Because, properly define Because a man which, which and is, a woman— Again, God took Adam, broke him in half, and created these two complementary persons that when they come together, image the, the Trinity in this sense, that the two become one, and then they produce children— uh, out of their love, which so it becomes three, and then four, five, six, seven, and that's another thing is being open to, to the Lord as far as life's concerned. Coming into the marriage bed, seeing all the sacramental aspects of it, that it's really a holy thing, uh, yet feels great, and there's a unitive aspect of it, but it's also procreative, and the fact that we've pushed procreation out of that marriage bed is uh, something we should really think mm-hmm. long and hard about. It's interesting that there was virtually no. Uh, uh, allowance for contraception, artificial contraception within all three branches of Christianity until 1930. 1930 years, every single Christian thought that contraception was, uh, artificial contraception was was wrong. Now, you can say, well, they dismissed it. You know, we got a better idea now. Well, I wonder, did we open up a door that from which out of that abortion, everything else has flown? So getting back to what scripture says, seeing the family is central to everything, one man, one woman, for life, till death do they part, coming together, till death do they part. This whole irreconcilable differences nonsense. Well, God's given us a ministry of reconciliation. How can two Christians talk about, yeah, people go through tough times. I certainly know that better than a lot. But um, ultimately, it is for life. And then out of that flows children, and those children are raised up in the knowledge and the fear of God. And then they create cultures, and those cultures create uh, cities and then states and then nations and everything else. And that's how the kingdom of God operates. And we got to get back to that. Well, I need to, unfortunately, point to the clock and say we're out of time for today. But uh, I've appreciated this conversation. We've been talking today with Eric Holmberg about uh, a new documentary that we've been discussing that is likely to be titled The Divine Reset America 2.0 because we actually had this conversation a few months prior to its release. So uh, thank you so much for being with us uh, for this second week as well. We appreciate you being on the program. My pleasure. And again, you'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. Remember that the work that we do here on Licensed to Parent is an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. And uh, Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered therapeutic residential program for teens in crisis. 
Now, uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and right now, as I've said before, we're in the midst of a capital campaign as we uh, are entering our 20th year of ministry. To celebrate this milestone, we're focusing our efforts this year on developing a new campus here that's going to include a new dining hall, two additional new classroom buildings, and will involve moving our broadcast studio. That in and of itself is a major undertaking. Our need for space has grown over the years, and these new buildings will be a much-needed improvement over what we have at present, and we feel that they are necessary in order for us to continue meeting the needs of teens and the families that we serve. If you'd like to learn more about our work here and be a part of the future of Licensed to Parent in Shepherd's Hill Academy, I invite you to visit shepherdshillacademy.org forward slash building together. Or you can just go to shepherdshillacademy.org and uh, you'll find links there. And thank you in advance for any way that you can help. That is all our time for today. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. And for Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you back again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.